reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. John was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he said and followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following him and said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, was one of the two who heard John and followed Jesus. He first found his own brother, Simon, and told him, we have found the Messiah which is translated Christ. Then he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The Gospel of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. And it's good to see everybody bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, ready to start another semester. We got, a, we got a lot going on today. Um, first day of school, obviously, and you guys are super excited to be here, I can tell by just looking at your faces. Um, we got the Feast of Elizabeth Ann Seton, which is technically what we're celebrating liturgically. Um, but then we also have, have the Epiphany, which is the celebration that we'll celebrate on Sunday um, in all of our churches across our diocese. And it's the recognition that God is the light to the nations. That God didn't just come for the Israel people, but he came for all of us. He became one of us for all of us. And every single person in this room shouldn't take that for granted because there's very few amongst us that are actually from the Abrahamic line. Which means, unless he kind of changed the script, flipped the script a little bit, we would all be doomed. But he wasn't just a God for one, he's a God for all. And in a beautiful way, we celebrate that with all the cultures um, that we have here in our school. And it's a powerful witness to just how powerful the gospel can be. But the reality is, if we take a moment to look at our ancestors, they didn't have it easy to become Christian. To actually become a follower of Christ took a lot of sacrifice. And there is one question that had to be asked anybody who decided to become Catholic. And it was, how far are you willing to go? The first Christians, of course, were martyred. But even some of our ancestors, when they chose to become Catholic, they knew that they were putting their life on the line. And so that question was asked them, how far are you willing to go? Is this worth it? And thank God that they said, yes, it is. And for all of us, that means we don't have the same struggles. Because the world has become a place that, at least in image, accepts Christianity. And so you don't have to worry about coming to school and being persecuted because of your faith. And so praise God for that. 
But that same question that was asked to us, to ask to our ancestors, how far are you willing to go? It's asked to each of us. And no, it doesn't have that grand, big moment. It doesn't have the same powerful storytelling ability behind it as it did for our ancestors who literally put their life on the line. But it's just as important because that question determines whether we're going to become saints. Because while they made their choice and became saints because of it, we still have to make the choice. We still have to make that decision. And it's not the big moments. It's usually the small moments. Father Mike Schmitz, uh, my students know I like to refer to him quite a bit, but he shares a story that I I found really powerful about the uh, British uh, Olympic bicycle team, cycling team. And from 1908 to 2002, the British Olympic team won a total of one medal in cycling. For almost 100 years, they won one medal. They were so bad that in the early 2000s, when major companies are throwing themselves at all the Olympic athletes to get their brand out to the world, nobody chose the British Olympic team. They had to go out and buy their own bicycles because no company wanted them to be representative of their company. That's how bad this team was. Well, in 2002, they hired a coach. I'm going to find his name. Coach Dave Brailsford. And Coach Dave Brailsford, his entire philosophy of coaching could come down to one thing. Let's get 1% better. He's one of the first people who kind of introduced that phrase. You hear Coach Rule say it with the Huskers now today, 1% better every day. But he, he was a little bit of a nut when it came to getting 1% better. At first, it was, it was doing the little things that were kind of obvious, like adjusting the seat so that they were at the proper position so they could be as fast as possible, or wearing the right type of clothing during the right type of weather so they had the least amount of wind resistance. But he took it so far that he, he engaged with every aspect of their life. He studied each athlete's sleep cycle and changed out their pillows to see if they had a different pillow, if it would get just 1% better. And when they found the right pillow, they stuck with it. They, they painted the inside of their van all white so that when they put their bicycles in, they could know if there's a single speck of dust that might get into the gears or spokes. And if there was, they cleaned it. All for that 1% better. And every time they did that, the athletes became a little bit more and more convinced because they saw their time get better and better and better. By the 2008 Beijing Olympics, the British cycling team, which was once the laughingstock of the sport, won 70% of the gold medals offered in the Olympic Games because they just focused on getting 1% better. Later on, four years later, they had set seven world records and nine Olympic records because all they focused on was 1% better. And everybody wanted to talk to them about these big moments, these huge accomplishments that this team was doing. But any time that they were interviewed, they talked about the van. They talked about the pillow. They talked about the little things 
that made it possible to have the big moment. Because all it takes is getting 1% better. And that's what sanctity looks like in our faith. You don't have to be perfect now, but you are asked to get 1% better today. What is that thing that I need to focus on this semester and just chip at it day by day so that I can get 1% better? The, uh, the reality is we got, a, we got a big thing going here at Pius. I've seen through you guys, I've been inspired by your guys' faith in the last year. But the reality is we're not even close to where we could be. We had over 300 people come to the last restore. That's powerful. It's beautiful. But we can get better. Maybe it's just 1%, but in the end, it's what will matter. You see, our faith, our saints, like Elizabeth Ann Seton, are not made because of the big moment. They were made for the big moment. And it happened in their daily decisions. So what does that look like? It looks like deciding that you're going to walk to the chapel and take two minutes out of the five to say hi to our Lord between class periods. It means getting up a little bit earlier so that you can get to confession in time before school starts in the day. It's not a big deal. It's a small moment. But it's what saints are made of. Mm-hmm.